we have learned a lot of things in the last 12 months. I said it in the video summarizing last year. One of the things I learned last year I never thought I learned was the great value of toilet paper. Who knew that there would ever be a run on toilet paper? We, we've, we've come up with some either new terms or maybe some things that maybe the terms have been there, but they've been, they've been much more in the forefront. I mean, I don't ever remember the term social distancing before. Um, I'm pretty sure that's new to uh, 2020. Uh, in fact, human nature is not to social distance. Human nature is to connect. We were created with a need for touch and connection, and uh, so. But but we've we've learned that's now a that's now a thing, and I can't wait for the day when it's not a thing. And thankfully, some of the progress we are making to getting a little closer to some of those things. Uh, I, I, this may be something, but maybe in a different context. The the term contact tracing is. Which um, I don't know about you. I'm not a. I don't consider myself a conspiracy theorist, but something about that term just. I don't like that. I want nobody tracing me. I want them tracing where I ate. I know there's reasons and all that. I'm not here to get in a debate. I'm just telling you, I don't like it. Nah, but there, there's another term, and, and as I've tried to look at it and make sure I understood the term, I don't think it's actually a new term. It's not an old, old term, but it's not necessarily a new term. But I don't really recall hearing it before, but we have been hearing it a number of times over the last several months. And when I say this term... Uh, don't jump to conclusions about where you think I'm about to go and what I'm about to preach. I don't want you to miss the message this morning because you get sidetracked. But the term that we have heard, I would be surprised if any adult in this room has not heard the term at least once in the last several months, but that is cancel culture. Cancel culture. And according to Webster's Dictionary, here's what the basic meaning of cancel culture is. The idea of canceling, and as some have labeled it, cancel culture, has taken hold in recent years due to conversations prompted by hashtag MeToo and other movements that demand greater accountability from public figures. The term has been credited to has been credited to block users of Twitter where it has been used as a hashtag. As troubling information comes to light regarding celebrities who were once popular, such as Bill Cosby, Michael Jackson, Roseanne Barr, Louis C.K., so come calls to cancel such figures. The cancellation is akin to a canceled contract, a severing of the relationship that once linked a performer 
to their fans. And I, again, I'm not here to get into the political aspect of this, um, but my understanding of sort of the purest application of it, it's not really considered to be a very positive thing if you're looking at it from the right perspective. But I want to preach to you this morning about the original cancel culture. Because I think there's a cancel culture that precedes the last couple of years and social media and what it has to do with. In fact, you can be guaranteed that anything the devil is behind is some kind of an imitation of something God has done. The devil is not an originator. He is an imitator. Some people have struggled with faith and belief in God because of the imitations. But I got a question. Is anybody, I know there's probably few of us. I said us because I know I don't. But anybody got any cash with you this morning? Anybody? Mostly uh, middle-aged and older. (laughs) I, I got a question Those of you that have it and the rest of us at some point have touched some of it, may not as much as we wish, but some of it at some point. Anybody ever heard of counterfeit money? How many of you ever refused somebody handing you a hundred dollar bill? Oh, don't give me that because there's counterfeit hundred, hundred, counterfeit hundred dollar bills. No. Because all the counterfeit can do is confirm there has to be a real. You can never have an imitation or a fake unless there was first a real. Hmm. Always like to use the example in this, but you can, you can go to Macy's or Nordstrom or whatever and buy your cologne or you can go to some other stores. You go to Macy's, you can get Calvin Klein obsessed. Go to Walmart, you can get it, find it possessed. Go to Macy's, you get Calvin Klein eternity. Go to CVS, you can get forever. It's cheaper. It's a knockoff. I'm a, a, even at almost 50 years old. I'm throwing that out there because I'm sure you would have never guessed if you didn't know me that I was that old. <laughs> if you haven't noticed, that's on my mind a lot lately. Pray for me. <laughs> I'm not asking for the alternative, but I definitely am a little bit shaken by 5-0. I I, I don't know. That's just a, it's a weird thing. But uh, even at, even at 49 years old, there's still a side of me that needs Jesus. Well, there's a lot of sides of me that need Jesus to help me, but there's a side of me that I haven't quite outgrown. And that is every now and then I still give in to the temptation of buying an imitation, especially an imitation watch. Knowing that it's not real, but I mean, hey, you can get a Rolex for $15. That's pretty sweet. I bet you, Brother Anthony, you could hook me up with a few probably. <laughs> I, it wasn't a question of how long it was going to last. It was more so a question of when's it going to die. And eventually, usually it didn't take more than a couple of days. You look down and... I'm pretty sure that's what time it said a while ago. Good thing is, two times a day, it's correct. But 
The enemy always imitates. I, 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 this really wasn't in my thoughts this morning, but I just I want to challenge somebody while I'm on it for a moment that don't let a fake with regards to God cause you to doubt the reality. It, it's pretty much been a proven thing that, that, uh, miracles have been faked and miracles in, on television have been faked. Don't think for one minute that every miracle has been faked. In fact, let me just quickly ask, how many of you in this room right now can testify to the fact that at some point in your life, God's done a miracle for you? We, 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 we're dealing with this idea today, but I think there's a great way in which you and I can experience the real, the original cancel culture. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 6 and verse number 5, and I mean, this, this is right at the beginning of the Bible. This is, this is only a few chapters in. This is when man was as primitive as man was ever, as man ever was. There was no technology. There was, there was no transportation as we know it. There was not all of the luxuries of life as we know it. And yet, look at what the scripture says man was doing at that point so soon into his creation. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. I, I am puzzled by how in that time is the only thing you can imagine evil. There's not a whole lot of evil to imagine. But that was already the condition of humanity. Wise man Solomon says in the book of Ecclesiastes, there's, there's nothing new under the sun. Jameson, Fawcett, and Brown commentary with regards to that term says this, this is not meant in a general sense, but there is no new source of happiness, the subject in question, which can be devised. The same round of petty pleasures, cares, business, study, wars, etc. being repeated over and over again. Since the old has been unsatisfactory, it is a great evil that there is nothing new. Man cannot escape out of the charmed circle into which he was driven by the curse in the garden, be his exertions what they may. He can't get free. You and I do not have the power and the ability on our own to get free from that. With all the progress in the healing art, the doom, thou shalt die, still holds good. These words are not true of the works of God, for God ever produces something new. It is only children of Adam who affect nothing new. So while we may see things new in the context of technology and, 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 and things like that, in principle, there's nothing new. Mankind is just the same today as he's always been. We may, we may have some worse or crazier imaginations now than they had in the days of, of Noah, but the bottom line is it's been imaginations to do evil. Man left to himself is going to gravitate toward evil because he's got a nature 
that is attracted to that. But oh, hallelujah, we don't have to live forever according to that nature. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 1 tells us this. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sin. Until you have been born again, you have not really started living. You may have breathed natural breath, but you haven't really started living until you've been born again. Wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also, this is why we as born again people should never get an attitude of being, of, of being holier and, and better and superior to those that aren't. Because we all had our conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ by grace ye are saved, and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. I want to read those verses to you from a couple of other translations. The Amplified Bible says it like this, in which in which at one time you walked habitually. You were following the course and fashion of this world, were under the sway of the tendency of this present age, following the prince of the power of the air. You were obedient to and under the control of the demon spirit that constantly works in the sons of disobedience, the careless, the rebellious, and the unbelieving who against the purposes of God. I've said it before and I'll say it again this morning. If you're looking at things going on in our our world and especially these last 12 months or so racial things political things and a few other things similar to that if you are looking at them simply from the perspective of a human issue you are missing it this isn't the only vo- verse and there's other places that confirm this but when you read this verse and the way the amplified says it here that the the demon spirit that constantly works in the sons of disobedience You may write it off to a human issue if you want to, but I believe with all of my heart the turmoil and the conflict and the issues we're seeing in our world are a physical manifestation of a spiritual conflict, which is why it doesn't matter what any human being tries to do to solve the problem. Humans cannot solve it. The only thing that can solve a spiritually originated problem is the God who is spirit. Among these, we, somebody say we, 
as well as you once lived and conducted ourselves in the passions of our flesh, our behavior governed our corrupt and sensual nature, obeying the impulses of the flesh and the thoughts of the mind, our cravings dictated by our senses and our dark imaginings. We were then by nature children of God's wrath and heirs of his indignation like the rest of mankind. But God, so rich is he in mercy because of and in order to satisfy the great and wonderful and intense love with which he loved us. Then also the message Bible says it like this. You let the world which doesn't know the first thing about living tell you how to live. I feel like there's a spring forward fog that's hanging here. You let the world which doesn't know the first thing about living tell you how to live. I know some of you, 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 you don't really know this, but and I, I live this. I am one, even at 50, 49, but uh, the, the uh, no, not 59, 49. Uh, <laughs> if I was 59, you'd really think I look good for my age, but <laughs> uh, there it goes. Got it out of the way. Where was I? Where was I was going? What? I don't know if 49 really had anything to do with it. but Oh, now I know. If you're a guest, that's not age. That's been happening for way too long to be age. When you're the PK or APK, you're often the best ammunition for your father or mother's examples. And so, But I will at least use the one that's not here today. Timothy, my third child, is uh, 20 years old now. And uh, somehow in the last year or so, I think, maybe a little longer, but uh, I mean, one hand, it's a little bit impressive. On the other hand, considering that I went to school for business management and my degree is in business management and knowing some of the things that I gleaned from my college career, uh, he now invests in stocks. And what really was funny was a little while ago, I overheard my youngest son talking to my second to youngest kid about advice for stocks. You see, there are people that spend years and years and years going to college and getting degrees to be able to give you advice on financial investment. I promise you an app where you can buy and sell stocks is not where people are getting rich off of ultimately. If you were looking at what to do with your retirement, I promise you, you're not going to be asking me for Timothy's phone number. Now, he's made a couple of hundred dollars, I think, in the last year or two, but you don't live off of a couple hundred dollars. If you want advice about somebody, you try to go to an expert. The world is not the expert on how to live. 
If it was, there wouldn't be all the chaos and confusion and turmoil and heartache and pain that's there. It's been demonstrated time and time again. They just don't know. And yet the world and even believers, let them tell us how we should live. This is, this is why one of the reasons why I like using the message Bible. It just has a way of saying it. You filled your lungs with polluted unbelief. And then exhale disobedience. We all did it. All of us doing what we felt like doing when we felt like doing it. All of us in the same boat. It's a wonder God didn't lose his temper and do away with the whole lot of us. Instead, immense in mercy and with an incredible love, He embraced us, He took our sin-dead lives and made us alive in Christ. He did all this on His own with no help from us. Then He picked us up and set us down in highest heaven in company with Jesus our Messiah. We had an old life. We had an old way of living. We had old strength struggles and habits and issues, but God, who is rich in mercy, reached down to where we were in a pit of sin and lifted us out of that and canceled that culture. Somebody help me this morning. It's obviously not to embarrass anybody, but I, I just, I know I can get a little bit of help if you'll help me. How many of you have some things pre, but God? That you used to go places and you had to you had to work hard to stay away from things. You you went into a store and you had to work hard not to buy certain things. Drove by a store selling alcohol, and if you weren't gonna stop and get something, it took everything in you to stop. Walk into a store where there's a rack of cigarettes, and if you weren't going to get, you just had to work so hard and oftentimes gave in. But now you can testify that just those simple examples, but a whole lot of other things that used to have a hold on you, that you used to have to work so hard if you were going to avoid them. The cross and the blood of Jesus has canceled all of that, and you don't don't deal with that anymore. Oh, hallelujah. I think somebody ought to just take another moment right now and give God some thanks today. But God, who is rich in mercy. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We spend a lot of time with issues over what we don't have that we wish we had. And I think every child of God, after years of walking with God, more than likely you're going to have the experience of looking around and wishing God had done some things that either not only has He not done, but the opposite has happened. Because He doesn't always work according to what we want and how we want. But can I just challenge somebody today that to look beyond what's actually may be going on that's negative in your life and think about in spite of what you're going through, the potential of what could have been. 
It's not hyperbole. It's not being dramatic to say this morning there are literally people in this place that if you had continued on the path that you were on before but God who is rich in mercy intervene, you would be six feet under today. You'd have been gone a long time ago. Others of you, while you may not be dead, you'd be in prison somewhere. But God canceled all of that and gave you a future that was much different than what your past said your future should be. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And that doesn't just apply to those of you that at some point in your adult life was born again. Those of us that were born and raised in this and it's all we've ever known. We probably should be even a little more thankful than you over what could have been that has not been. First Corinthians chapter 6 and verse number 9. Know ye not... That the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Be not deceived. And now Paul's going to give us some things that cannot inherit the kingdom. Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. I know a couple of those are good King James words there, may not be commonly used, but let me just tell you, there's not a person in this room today that's over the age of 15, probably younger, but 15 at least, that one of these things don't apply to you. These things cannot, cannot inherit the kingdom of God. The Amplified, just to get, put them in a little more terms we may be a little more familiar with, says, Do you not know that the unrighteous and the wrongdoers will not inherit or have any share in the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived or misled. Neither the impure and immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor those who participate in homosexuality, nor cheats, swindlers and thieves, nor greedy graspers, nor drunkards, nor foul-mouthed revilers and slanderers, nor extortioners and robbers will inherit or have any share in the kingdom of God. I think surely from that list we all can identify with some. Notice, notice what Paul says. He says, none of these people, those that do these things, can inherit the kingdom. So if the world's philosophy is true, we are in bad shape. Because the world says what you were, you always are. At best, you are just a recovering fill-in-the-blank. If that was the case, we've got no hope. But as Paul said in Ephesians, but God, let's see what Paul says here. And such were some of you. But ye are washed 
but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of God. That means those that are born again today, you are not a recovering alcoholic. You are not a recovering drug addict. You are not a recovering sex addict. You are not a recovering adulterer or fornicator or whatever else you want to put on that list. When the blood of Jesus was applied to you, when you went down in the waters of baptism, you were made brand new. You are not what you used to be. Hallelujah. I know that doesn't fit with the world's mindsets, but we don't let the world tell us what's truth. We don't let the world tell us what's right. We don't let the world dictate what we believe. We trust in this book that has never failed and never will fail. Heaven and earth is going to pass away, but the word of God is going to remain forever. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God, praise God, praise God. I like this one, 2 Corinthians 5 and 14. For the love of Christ constraineth us. For the love of, it's not wrath, it's not judgment that draws us. It's not God's anger towards us that motivates us that we need to get saved. Paul says it's the love of God that constraineth us because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. And that he died for all that they which live should not live henceforth, should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Wherefore, henceforth know we no man after the flesh, yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more. And here it is, verse 17. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. How do you get into Christ? We are baptized into Christ. When we are buried in the name of Jesus in water for the remission of our sins, according to what Paul said, we become a new creature in Christ Jesus. Whatever your past was is now canceled. Whatever the culture you used to live in of bondage and addiction and immorality, all of that is canceled. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. But oh, the blood of Jesus can. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. 
This is all my hope and peace. This is all my righteousness. Nothing but the blood. And what is also so wonderful is the same blood that God applied to me the first time I repented is the same blood that every single day when I stumble and fall and I make another mistake, I can have the blood applied to me all over again. Oh, hallelujah. I, I, I wish had, I wish I had time to go into many of the examples in scripture that are demonstrations of cultures that were canceled by God. Some of them examples are in the Old Testament before the blood of Jesus had ever been shed. One of those that comes to mind is the story of Naomi who is Found in the book of Ruth, Ruth was Naomi's daughter-in-law and Naomi and her sons were living in Bethlehem and a famine came to Bethlehem. So the Bible says they, that they went to Moab and when they went to Moab, uh, her, her sons married Moabite women and in the course of time her husband died and then both of her, uh, sons died. And so she finally decides she's gonna go back to Bethlehem. One of, I don't know if it's the only, but one of the definitions of the word Bethlehem Bethlehem is house of bread. You know what? Sometimes there may end up being a famine in the house of bread. But if it's the house of bread, let me apply that to you in an individual way. There may be some seasons in which you walk into a church service and messages get preached and you sit there and think, I wish you'd preach something to me. I need something. I wish you'd talk to me about where I am. And it may seem like service after service after service, week after week after week, there's nothing said, there's nothing done that applies to you. And if you're not careful, you can start going, you know what, there's a famine here. I think I need to go someplace else and try to get my answer but can I tell you if you'll just stay put long enough if it's the house of bread you may have to go a little time without some bread but there's going to be bread again so just stay put see, I know it was all in the plan and the scheme of God I get that but the trip down to Moab cost them and so finally Naomi says she's going back to Bethlehem and she goes to her two daughters-in-law and she tells them, I'm going back and that you're, you're, this is your home, this is where you're from, this is where your family is, I'm going back and so I release you to stay here. And one of her daughters-in-law, Orpah, sort of if you're not careful you may think it's Oprah, but it's not, it's Orpah, not Orca, Orpah. Leave that one right there. She says she'll stay. But Naomi makes this statement. She says, I'm going with you and your God is going to be my God. Your people are going to be my people. And so they make their way back. Well, when they get back to Bethlehem and Naomi is returning, those that know her begin to greet her and call out, here's Naomi, here comes Naomi. And Naomi responded to all of them and says, don't call me Naomi anymore. You see, in the Bible, if you don't know this, names were very significant. The meaning of the names, they weren't just randomly chosen most of the time. There was some kind of connection to, to something. Circumstances, past, present, future, whatever. 
She says, call me Mara because the name Mara means bitter. She says, God hath dealt with me bitterly. And she basically expected to live out the rest of her life sort of in a survival mode. She had lost everything. Lost her husband, lost her sons, one daughter-in-law remaining. But she just assumed the rest of life was just going to be more and more and more of the heartache and the pain that she had gone through. But God. But God. Because there were things that God had designed for her future in spite of her past. And in fact, I think you can say that the end of her life was more meaningful and more successful than the beginning of her life. Can I tell somebody today that maybe you have tried to settle yourself into accepting that your future is bleak, you've had too much heartache and pain, life has dealt you too many bad blows, and you're just kind of in a survival mode. I'm here to tell you today, and there are some that can testify of this today, that God has a cancel culture. And God has a way of writing all of that off, covering all of that under His blood, not only washing it away, but overcoming the impact that it can have on you and your future. Here's the final to me, or the ultimate, I'll say it that way. Here's the ultimate. Cancel culture, and I close. Revelation 21 and verse number 1. Writer John says, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And look at what verse number 4 says, And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. You want to talk about a cancel culture. Everything that has troubled us, everything that has been such a negative in this life, John says under the inspiration of the Spirit of God, there's coming a day when all of that's going to get canceled. No more pain, no more heartache, no more death, no more sickness, no more abuse, no more addiction. No wonder the old song says, what a day, what a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see. You know, many of us as believers 
say the things we believe in Scripture. Let's be honest, it's a lot easier to say you believe certain things that you're not really having to live. That you're not really having to put to the test. And I got to tell you, not only does it do something for you personally, but it also is a challenge and an encouragement to me when I hear people that are living through some things that I believe the Bible says and they are living those things. I I think one of the freshest ways in which I could give an example of that is just in the last couple of weeks. Precious man, been a part of this church since 1978, passed away. A couple of weeks ago, Brother John Glandon spent years battling illness, gradually getting worse and worse for years. I've listened now to his wife and his daughter in particular say that while they are saddened at the loss on this side, they rejoice. That he's experienced a cancel culture. All of the physical things he's battled for years and years now are no more. He's got a brand new body. He's got a brand new life. Old things are passed away. And everything has truly become new. Oh, no, 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 no. This does not mean that every problem and every issue from your past suddenly, mysteriously goes away. I read it. I love it. I love to preach that verse. If any man is in Christ, he's a new creature. We get into Christ by being baptized into Christ. So according to what Paul says, and according to the principle of how we get in Christ, the moment you're baptized, according to that verse, you're a new creature. But I don't know of one single person that's ever been baptized and the moment you got out of the water every struggle, every issue every problem, every negative thing in your life was instantly gone so I got a question, does that mean Paul was lying? does that mean the word of God is not true? no I'll tell you why Paul said it that way is because God looks at what he is doing And the outcome of what he is doing with such confidence that things that have not happened yet, he declares them as though they are already done. John said it like this in 1 John chapter 3. He said, Beloved, now are we the sons of God. Now are we the sons of God. And it doth not yet appear what we shall be. Who I am and who I am ultimately going to be, there's a gap. I've come a long ways, but I still got a long way to go to be like the Lord. But he says this. We know that when He shall appear, I may not be it right now, but we shall be 
like him. For we shall see him as he is. And then he says this. Every man that hath this hope in himself purifieth himself even as he is pure. Paul said it this way in another place. He that has begun a good work. He that has a, begun a good work will complete the work if I will let him. So rather than looking at where I am and seeing things that still seem to be the old me, I can look at the promise of where I'm going and what he has promised to do in and through me. Oh, hallelujah. 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 Would you stand? I don't know that I've actually done this yet. Exactly quite this way. I don't think. Maybe I have. Maybe I have a time or two. But I feel to do it this morning. Whether you are a member that comes here faithfully or if you're a guest this morning. I believe there's people in all categories today that some of you you need to cancel culture for the first time because you've never repented of your sins and been baptized in Jesus name and filled with the Holy Ghost and, and that's where it all starts and the blood of Jesus cancels all of that past all of it and then there's some of you, you've already had that happen and you've experienced that before. But life, struggles, circumstances that you've gone through have brought you to a place where you feel like you're, you're still that person or you're going back to that person. And I believe that Jesus would like to touch you today and remind you, I've taken care of all of that. I've dealt with all that. And while maybe you are still working through some things, I've put something on the inside of you that is able to bring you to a place of completion if you will just stay in the process. We got any, we got any really, really great project starters here today? Come on. I just come on, be honest. We got any anybody that works off the adrenaline of starting projects? Yeah. How many of you great project starters or great project finishers? A couple of hands. They are the, I think the word would be anomaly. They are the exception. Because the very, very great majority of those that are great starters are always looking for something to start because the adrenaline of starting the last thing is worn off. Thankfully, there's some project finishers that you're more methodical and you're willing to plod your way through and see it finished. I got good news for you today. He's a great project starter. And also what's really good news is there is no project that he's afraid to take on. I don't care how messed up, how broke you may be. I don't care how much sin you've done. There's not a project he won't take on. 
But not only is he a project starter, but he's also the ultimate project finisher. As I've already said, he which had begun a good work will finish that work. So if you're here today in whatever context it may apply, but you need that again today or you need it for the first time today, I want to ask you just to close your eyes for a moment. That's not to be spooky or mysterious. Really one reason, two reasons. One is so you can focus more. And two is so that those that might want to respond can feel maybe a little more comfortable. So you're here this morning and you would acknowledge the Lord is talking to you this morning. The Spirit of the Lord is talking to you this morning. I want to invite you to, if you're comfortable, those of you that are not comfortable with doing it this way, please feel free to just respond right where you are. That is perfectly fine and I fully respect that. But for those of you that are willing to, would you step out of your seat right now and step down to this front? let the Spirit of the Lord do this, seal this in your heart, your spirit today. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, Father, right now, right now, Lord, we're living in a world in which there is more and more despair, more and more hopelessness that is overwhelming us and so many times if we're not careful, Lord, that can creep in and affect our faith and our confidence and our trust in you. But I pray today that your spirit would override all of that negativity, all of those fears, all of the worries and the doubts that may perplex our mind and that you would give us faith and confidence in what you are able to do today in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We got a few folks that have come to the front. If you're willing to come join with one of them and pray with them, minister to them, would you do that right now? Come on, I believe the Holy Ghost is wanting to do something in some lives right now. In the name of Jesus.